Hello listeners, before we roll into today's episode, I had to tack on a brief intro here to let you know we've had to shuffle things around here in the podcast world. We had episode 100 planned for release on March the 1st, but this is emergency medicine and emergency care, and if nothing, things are unpredictable. And of course, we had a blizzard here in Texas in mid-February, and we really wanted to push that episode out and talk to medical directors across Texas about the blizzard experience and not let that be delayed while it was fresh on our mind. So we had to push back episode 100 to today's release on March 14th. So forgive us. We're flexible. We're emergency providers. That's what we do. As always, thanks for listening. Medic 43, District 1, Engine 51, Response, Cardiac Arrest. Hello, everybody. Welcome again to another edition of the MCHD Paramedic Podcast. This is Dr. Casey Patrick, and joining me today is my medical director, Rob Dixon. Hello, all. And today we've got a special episode. This is episode number 100 of the MCHD Paramedic Podcast. And realistically, take me back to almost three years ago over in Conference Room 101 when we recorded Syncope. Uh, I never envisioned recording episode 100 to be perfectly honest and along the way we've definitely made some mistakes learned from them uh, really gained some you know real positive aspects of of recording this podcast and really gotten some positive feedback so all in all me personally I'm super proud of the product that we've produced and really want to take this episode today to do a couple things first of all you know talk through some of those lessons that we learned secondly talk about some of the most popular episodes and what the take-home points are. If you're a listener of the podcast, you know that no matter who we have on, whether it's a guest, whether it's me yapping solo or, you know, our clinical department folks here, we always tend to wrap up with the take-home points. So we're going to have the take-home points of the first hundred episodes and then thank the folks that are responsible for making this thing happen and talk a little bit about the future. Yeah, I think it's a great story. A great place to start, Casey, is talk to the listeners about how this thing came about. Like, I'm in awe of of the clinical group here and Dr. Patrick and how this thing, I, I'm just blown away at the quality and 100 episodes. But it really came, it grew out of our initial epic failures. Yes. Talk about that. So it's I'm going on my five-year anniversary here at MCHD as the assistant medical director, which five years has definitely flown by. But the original reason for the hiring up front was we need to add on to our non-mandatory educational off- offerings here at the district. And that was, that was my task. I didn't have a task beyond that. So being a classic med school 20 years ago sort of person, I'm used to sitting in a lecture hall with somebody reading off some slides, which we know now probably is fairly ineffective from an educational standpoint, but that's where we started five years ago. We went around and talked to some of the medics, the field crews, and said, hey, what are you, what are you missing? What do you want to talk about? And we got inevitably, you know, CHF, COPD, diabetes, you know, what happens when folks get to the hospital, those sort of classic questions. So I put together a CHF, COPD lecture that was 60 slides long, 70 slides long, spent hours and hours and hours putting it together, and we had 17 folks show up. And we're like, ah. Eh, that stinks. That's, you know, that's not great. 17 out of 250. And so let's do diabetes two months later. 
So we put diabetes on the calendar, did some advertising, tried to come up with some Starbucks gift cards and other stuff to give out. And we did 60 or 70 diabetes slides and 20 people showed up. And this seemed to be the same repeat 20 each couple months. And each couple months I put this together, I got more and more frustrated. This was, uh, you know, I, I felt like, you know, the county taxpayers are paying my salary here. I was concerned that, hey, we're not getting out of this what we should. This is not a good return on investment. How can I improve this to the point where people want to come? How can I, how can we get better value out of this as a service? I, you know, it's not, I mean, I guess there was part of me that was like, people don't want to come hear me talk, but I don't know that I blame them on that one. But just how can we do better for our medics? 17 to 20, we're shooting, you know, less than 10%. And that's not a knock on the people that didn't come because one day I was driving home after being really frustrated, sitting down in uh, Chief Anderson's office at the time and just ranting about what can we do here? This is not working out. This is 12, 18 months into this job and people aren't coming to these programs. What, what can we do? And he didn't have any you know, great answers. He talked me off the ledge and said, just keep working, keep plugging along. We'll figure it out. And on the way home, I turned on MRAP or MCRIT or, you know, some EM-based podcasts and listened to some airway management discussion. And it was about two-thirds of my short drive home when I, the bell went off. And I said, you know, if it's a Tuesday and I don't have a shift and there's an airway lecture at the hospital, I don't physically drive to the hospital on my day off. We need to try to reach medics on their own time, on their own convenience, in a flexible manner. And that's really where it grew out of. I walked back into the office the next day and said, hey, I think we need to have a EMS, ground-based, core clinical concept podcast that is the medical directors talking to the medics based on their questions, our QIQA, our educational uh, focus for that quarter, and let's make this relevant to them, and they can do it on their way to work, they can do it while they're working out, they can do it, you know, while they're getting ready for work in the morning. Let's make it, let's, let's take it to them rather than asking them to come to us. Yeah, and over the, I mean, it's just, I think phenomenally uh, been been a great product, Casey. What if if you had to kind of go back and go over the big lesson learned, you know, the just the the top ones, what would you change now? What what do you wish you would have known then? Well, some of these have grown out of questions. I've been asked this question by folks in other services. You know, yeah. I'm thinking about a podcast. What yeah. what do you need to do, or how do you need to approach it? And realistically, to get to episode 100 you know, consistency is key. Um, you know, don't bite half the cake, you know, take small portions. If you have the bandwidth for an episode every month or every two months, then don't set an episode for every week. You're going to let down your listeners expectations there. And how much bandwidth you have to produce episodes depends on your specific situation. You know, here we started out weekly trying to build an audience and that was way too much. I was uh, losing sleep and ragged trying to get an episode ready every every week. We've really found a pretty happy medium here at every two weeks. You know, some folks do every month, do longer episodes. You know, there's all kinds of ways to do it. There's not one right way, but your way needs to be consistent, whatever that is. For me personally, I, you know, I listen to a lot of medical and non-medical podcasts out, out there as listeners do so i'm sure y'all have your favorites as well uh, i'm not a comedian uh, we don't have uh, the staff available and the staff time available to edit in you know sound clips and 
to spend hours and hours and hours editing. So one of the things that I realized early on is I couldn't overstretch myself with the podcast because there's still run reviews. There's still uh, budget meetings. There's still hospital meetings. There's still QIQA and, you know, weekly uh, quality meetings to attend. I can't have everybody's focus on the podcast and then nobody doing any of the other Department of Clinical Services work. So really keeping it simple is, is very important. You need to talk to your audience and figure out who your audience is and make sure what you're giving them is what they want. And I'm sure the MCHD listeners out there probably have episodes they prefer to others. And some of them may look at a, a topic and be like, eh, this is not for me. But realistically, almost every episode, you know, save a few that were my babies, um, were topics that came from the medics themselves. And, you know, in an EMS service of 250 paramedics, we got folks with all kinds of varied interests. So we've had all, all kinds of varied episodes from community outreach to, you know, uh, first responder type topics to, you know, to journal club reviews, to pharmacology reviews, to, uh, you know, guest, guest speakers, things like that. But if you're producing a podcast that is primarily based around your interest, you may end up being the only listener. And so from our standpoint, and we had this discussion a long time before we got started, realistically, we wanted to take us as the medical directors and extend ourselves in a way that folks can hear us talk and hear our clinical and medical philosophical approach more easily, as opposed to having to come to our office, which nobody really wants to come to admin, right? They want to go to work, work their shift and go home. Um, and then don't let the perfection be the enemy of good. We've said that a lot through the podcast. You know, we try to have consistent audio. That's key. Thank you, Andy Adams. The podcast wouldn't exist without Andy. I'll thank him 20 times during this episode, but he's been the behind-the-scenes editor and sound person and, and helped our audio be what it is. Uh, I'm super proud of our audio. I listen to a lot of podcasts, and I think ours stands up. But if you have hisses and scratches and audio drops, people just are going to lose interest pretty quickly. So make sure you figure out how you're going to do your audio. There's millions of ways to do it. Again, just like your content and your release schedule, you got to be got to be consistent there. And then again, be open to ideas from the entire team. Some of the episodes that I thought were super duds have been the most popular and there have been topics that have been pushed from folks here in the office, you know, that have wanted to I got an idea about this and uh, I don't think that's a good idea. I don't say that out loud, supportive. We produce it, we make it happen. And then it, you know, takes off like wildfire. So again, listen to your folks around you, be open to ideas and be consistent and, and uh, do what you can within the confines of the other duties that you have in your, in your job description. Along the way, there's been surprises, right? We've hit some things that, we probably didn't expect tell, tell the listeners some of the things that you've seen kind of, I don't know. Some of these things have popped up kind of organically. We've said like, yeah. Oh, we probably need to talk about this. Can we do it on the podcast? Can we get it turned around quickly? What are, then, what are some yeah, of the, when did we turned it around today? Yeah. I mean, the podcast was really a, the kind of the core curriculum of EM and EMS medicine. And it really morphed to what it is. The hundred episodes it is now uh, a couple of examples of kind of on the fly, just in time, education was measles you know we had a big measles outbreak in the county 
and I was not an expert on measles, uh, but we did some background research and we put out a podcast. I think it was like the, that week, within a week for sure, uh, really within days of this outbreak to try to outreach not only to our employees, but to the community. Um, that's just one example of all the COVID. I mean, you know, now we're, as you can see, we're masked um, and we're right at shy of a year of COVID. Uh, I believe we've done three COVID, COVID podcasts or four. Um, it feels like feels it, like 300. feels like 300, but it's, it's really great for just in time. You know, the, if anything COVID has taught all of us is that uh, it's rapidly changing. And, and just like EMS, EM medicine, you have to evolve with it. You have to evolve with those changes, changes in clinical guidelines, changes in the way we approach these patients, changes in the way we manage their respiratory failure. So I think it's been an excellent tool. One of the other really beneficial things that we found is it's really been great for recruiting. We've had podcast listeners that are now podcast listening employees, which I think is great and great for the service. Um, you know, the other things would be is how, how we get the ideas. I mean, Casey, behind you, you can't see it, but we have the idea board and the, the outline complete board and the needs editing board. Uh, but really, uh, and initially when we started this, I thought, oh my gosh, you know, we're going to have, you know, you know, an episode every two weeks, we're going to run out of stuff to talk about. And it's really kind of endless because it's, it's very uh, ground-based, you know, it comes from the, from the service up and there's always ideas being emailed and someone will shoot you a text about a case they had uh, and then we'll start talking about it in the office and poof, we've got another podcast topic. So it's really uh, been good for that. Um, I think the last would be is that it's a great repository for our own education. We use it for, uh, to keep people current, uh, to remediate as medical directors when we see uh, uh, an educational gap we use it to go back and, and re-educate on those specific topics. So it's really a great core curriculum of EM medicine, which is what, what it was intended to be. I, I truly underestimated how much use we would get out of the material after the fact. You know, I, I envisioned it as this podcast is recorded, released. People listen to it over a you know, four week, six week span. And it sort of goes by the wayside. Yeah. And we found ourselves through run reviews, through remediation, through new hire, through uh, even interactions with the hospital systems. Um, you know, if you want to hear what we're doing, check out episode 46. If you want you to know. know the way that the medics are trained to approach a COVID airway, you can listen to it. Yep. Check it, it out. 20 minutes. You're interested in the link. We'll send you the link. And so it's been a, a real nice tool to share with others and that includes employees you know community partners even community members so that's that's been pretty excellent so, so if i had to get you i'm gonna can you go over the top top 10 or top Ooh. 20 top uh, podcast so top 10 in honor of my favorite late night host david letterman we've done some top 10s recently so i pre keep bringing up letterman i wish i had a beard like him now he's got a pretty crazy beard but we wanted to just let y'all know what the top 10 uh, most listened to episodes are uh, all four of the serial killers are on the top 10 uh, chest pain is one shortness of breath is two ultra mental status or excuse me shortness of breath is three ultra mental status is five and abdominal pain six so all the serial killers were really well received in all honesty they're probably the core 
makes of me happy. The podcast you know, it's, itself, yeah. It's kind of how it evolved, but you know, the when you came up with the idea, and I can't remember which one of the guys you guys were talking it around. You came that how this this idea, this way to approach it, but it's really brilliant. You know, I love the serial killer series. I wish we would have started with that. Because it's really to the core of what, what we ask the medics to do out there every day, which is to take these horribly undifferentiated, difficult patients in austere circumstances and, and narrow that differential down to the top five killers for that particular uh, chief complaint. And we'll definitely hit those in the take-home points. I will say that I disagree with you. I don't disagree with, with uh, my medical director very often in public. We try to have a unified front, but I'm going to disagree and say that episodes 79, 80, 81, and 82 gave me 78 before that to screw up and improve on so that those were actually <laughs> listenable. So I'm saying that having those further down the line was a total benefit for all you listeners out there. So what other ones? Uh, back to the basics, COPD, episode 48, way back. over. Way back. Yeah, that one has uh, really stayed one of the more popular ones. And I'm going to tie these together here in a bit as to why I think these are the case. Uh, people people love Chris Call. Everybody loves Chris Call. Uh, if you've ever met Chris, he's uh, one of the more positive and dynamic individuals that I know in EMS and just uh, a leader and uh, someone that you just feel better after you talk to Chris or you listen to Chris. So Chris and I talked about stupidity in EMS, and that has been – one of the one of the definite favorites. That was a, uh, a bit of a circuitous route to an episode, but I really liked that one. I didn't like the way it recorded. I thought that the conversation could have went better. I didn't like how I sounded, but man, people loved it. So I I've, really liked I've, it. I've gotten over that. I really one. liked it, even though I thought, and we talked beforehand. The the title initially when I read the script, I was like, "What are you guys doing? This is so off putting and insulting." And you know, but have a listen to the podcast. I love that one. Uh, Love Chris Call. Very, very great medic, good guy, and, and it's a good listen. And then the last three, Art of the Airway, the middle, number 50. Art of the Airway is one of the ones that I felt like you and I probably mesh better on that episode than some of the earlier ones. I was proud of that one when it came out. A really good, not textbook airway discussion, but more case-based, a little more nuanced because I think we talk about the airway extremes a lot of the times, but what about the tweeners where you really have to make those tough decisions on you know, sedation, on airway choice? Uh, some, sometimes we deal in the extremes in the lecture setting and in the educational setting, but in reality, we have a lot more gray area. So I, I was proud of that episode. Episode 74, COVID-19 updates. Uh, we've had, Dr. Dixon had three COVID episodes. I feel like 103 feel like we talked about COVID nonstop for the last year, but it's definitely been something that's been in the forefront. So not a shocker that people have listened to that one. And then lastly, one of the more recent ones, episode 88, entitled CO2 Basics. And that really was a bread and butter uh, EMS discussion of how that waveform helps us and, and why it's important and why it needs to be really one of the bedrock foundations of our of our clinical care. So that's the, that's the top 10 with, actually, I, I missed You the, forgot. I forgot, I forgot number 10. Number 10 was episode three, syncope. Number it's three. So he was still like stuttering and sweating. He's yeah. still sweating from episode three. It was really, it was really awful. a good podcast. It was, that was, I was so <laughs> nervous about hearing my own voice. So episode three still holding in the top 10 slot. I guess right. I'm kind of proud that it's lingered that long. Oh, no, it's great. So let's run through some of the take-homes of those top 10. I think it's, 
probably the, the cornerstones of the podcast. If you're a listener at all, what are the things we want you to know? Take out there on the street when you're taking care of patients tomorrow night. And starting with the serial killers, you, you led into that earlier and alluded to it. You know, realistically, the whole idea is for you to take these common calls, these calls that have the killers mixed in with the totally benign. But we, we, we're charged with finding those killers. How do we approach those? And realistically, if you run on a chest pain, you run on an abdominal pain, you run on a shortness of breath patient, in your mind, on the way to the call, have these serial killers in mind. And what are they? Let's review them real quick, right? Chest pain, it's got five. MI, we always get in that EKG. PE, think about clear lungs, chest pain, PE risk factors. Pneumothorax, use your stethoscope every now and then. Pericardial tamponade, think about electrical alternans, sinus tachycardia, low voltage on the EKG. And then thoracic aortic dissection, right? That ripping, tearing, migrating pain from the chest and the back down into the abdomen, unequal pulses, Marfan syndrome. There's some, there's some killer risk factors there. So chest pain, number one. Number two, altered mental status. Infection, both systemic sepsis and meningitis encephalitis. Uh, endocrine, that's the um, woke you up. Blood glucose, blood glucose, blood glucose. Every patient, every time with altered mental status. All right. Can't say enough. Uh, stroke. We talk a lot about stroke. There's enough stroke podcasts. If you can get your stroke education right here with us, then tox, obviously ingestion, alcohol, uh, opiates being probably the number one, the number two there, but there are plenty of others. And lastly, don't forget seizures, right? That post-ictal state can look just like altered mental status. What about shortness of breath? Take shortness of breath. COPD asthma, CHF, non-pulmonary acidosis. You know, they have tachypnea, doesn't mean it's a primary pulmonary problem. How about DKA, other things that cause tachypnea? Infarction, right? Can never forget about infarctions and PEs. So when you, and we'll, we'll dig into, we, if you listen to the, the series, I love COPD because it really differentiates. We were talking in the office today about that one of the biggest mistakes is kind of thinking those are the same entity when one, uh, COPD is the chronic destruction. These are people whose lungs in the interim are never going to be back to normal, whereas the asthmatic is a reversible inflammatory process with bronchoconstriction inflammation that is theoretically fully reversible, and in between they have normal-ish lungs, whereas the COPD destroyed never going to work properly. So let me add two points in there. I typed this out. COPD is chronic destruction causing obstruction. I love that. It came out last night, and I'm like, that's kind of cheesy, but I like it. Chronic destruction causing obstruction. Right, so it's not not inflammatory like asthma. And also, you had your chance there to throw in your little jab at me because I wanted to include PE on shortness of breath. I didn't want to include MI. And then you came up with the simple way of saying, how about we just say infarction? So both myocardial infarction and pulmonary infarction on that uh, shortness of breath killers, which is, you know, especially in elderly, diabetic females, uh, we want to get EKGs in all our shortness of breath patients because that can be an anginal equivalent sign of MI. And then lastly, abdominal pain, AAA, right? Masquerades as kidney stones, right? That flank pain in a hypotensive uh, elderly gentleman with vascular disease, that's AAA until proven otherwise. Torsion, both of uh, the testicle and the ovary, so twisting of the testicle or the ovary on its pedicle. Bowel perforation is a killer, so think about patients with peptic ulcer disease risk, uh, 
people with GI bleed history. Then ruptured ectopic pregnancy. So any female of childbearing age with tachycardia and hypotension is an ectopic until proven otherwise. And then ischemia also on the abdominal pain side, and that can be bile ischemia, but also cardiac ischemia. Again, that can sneak in there as, as epigastric pain and make sure we're getting EKGs and all those epigastric pain patients as well. So there's your serial killer reviews. Talked a little bit about COPD in there. Again, remember BiPAP, bronchodilators, assuming it's allowed in COVID one day. Uh, get your entitled tracing. Look for your shark fin pattern and mag steroids. Those are kind of second line players. Remember, there's no role uh, for epinephrine in COPD, just in asthma. So it's important to make that differential delineation so that you're treating properly. One, right, and that is one of the big, big errors that we see yep. in our own service is that we have COPD patients which potentially are, are older, frailer, and could be harmed by epinephrine, even though it un- would be unusual in an IM form, which is the only way we give it here. Uh, but it's still potentially dangerous for those patients. So remember, COPD, chronic destruction causing obstruction, stay away from the epinephrine. In the sickest asthmatic, it's life-saving, right? I am epinephrine, consider magnesium, early non-invasive support for those patients. Don't forget your COPD chameleons. Get an EKG, listen to your lung sounds, right? It can be be an MI, it could be a pneumothorax, right? People with big COPD bulla pop those bulla. And when they pop those bulla, they get short of breath. You don't listen to your lung, the lung sounds. You may put on that BiPAP mask and roll onto the hospital, and then you've really got a double whammy because you've got positive pressure on a pneumothorax patient. So don't forget your stethoscope. I know it's a prop most of the time. Sorry, it's the truth. But in this patient, it's really, really important. And then always, always, always consider PE risks. If you don't ask about them, you're never going to think about it. I'm going to pitch the next one to you, Dr. Patrick, because this is you and, and Chris's, but go over some of the, the stupid risks in this profession. I mean, our, our, our profession is fraught with, with unseen perils and landmines everywhere to step on, but talk about some of those specific things to avoid. And I would urge everyone to go back and take a look at that podcast. Even if you don't listen to the podcast, take a look at the show notes and, and take a look at the blog post that it was derived from because it really, it's two financial guys talking about stupidity and it fits EMS emergency medicine to a T. And basically stupidity is making bad decisions with all the necessary information for you to make good decisions staring you in the face. That's the best way that I could could sum it up. And we all do those as emergency providers sometimes. So what are the risk factors and how do we mitigate those? Well, you know, don't rush, right? You know, smooth and slow is our goal, right? Rely on checklists. It doesn't all have to be up here all the time. Um, Use your team, be confident, delegate, sift and sort that information and concentrate on the objective findings that are most important. And then, you know, beware and respect fatigue, right? Beware of and respect fatigue. We know that it's part of our job. We know we work nights, we work weekends, we work holidays, you know, 24 hour shifts. Use your downtime wisely. Use your days off wisely. You know, get sleep, get exercise, you know, watch your diet, get some exercise. Those sort of simple things that we all know, but they're important for how we function on shift. Couldn't agree more, Casey. Couldn't agree more. What about our airway management episode? Sum that up for us in a couple sentences. That yeah, was one I mean, of one of my favorites still. It really is. And it's, I mean, this is, uh, 
kind of a Jeff Jarrett. We had Jeff on early in the podcast, but we really uh, stole this topic from him of this whole concept of delayed sequence intubation, or as Casey said in his last little piece on on uh, some of the pitfalls, is to slow down the process. That's the problem with the concept of RSI is that everybody rushed through everything and then stuff gets dropped on the floor of the truck and then you try to find a piece of emergency equipment but it's not set up right. So preparation is key. Slow things down, preparation, get the patient prep properly and get them in the safest pre-intubation, pre-sedation, pre-paralysis state that you can possibly get them in. So Hard stops for hypoxemia, right? We don't paralyze hypoxic patients. It's fraught with peril. Hypotension in patients, address it before you paralyze them and intubate them. These things that, that we know when we slow the process down, uh, patients do better and it's a safer environment for them. But what, what, what about if we have to use a supergonic airway? Isn't that a failed airway, yeah, doctor? A, and, and that's another one that we kind of got, I think, from an Eagles talk, which is so, like, I hate the concept. I know the Twitter folks out there are going to be, like, throwing spears at me. But this whole idea in EM and EMS medicine of measuring success uh, by, by first, pass, uh, first pass success of a tracheal tube to me is insane, right? I love DASH, which is definitive airway, sans hypoxia, which means that we we did what we set out to do. We placed some airway in the patient, and while we were doing it, they didn't die as a complication of the procedure we were trying to complete. So I think that that's the most important is slow down enough to make sure that you mind those hard stops, you mind the physiology of the patient, and you set up that safety net nasal cannula aptic oxygenation, proper pre-ox, proper mining of their, of their blood pressure and their uh, blood oxygen parameters before we paralyze the patient, right? Remember, sedation's your friend. Sometimes we need ketamine or some type of sedative for control. We have a thrashing hypoxic patient in a medical or traumatic de- delirium. They need, we need control first, so I'm not anti-sedating them beforehand but after we sedate them, let's slow the process down, NPOP airway, make sure the patient is optimized before we complete the procedure and paralyze. That's the delay in the nutshell, right? You separate the sedation from the paralysis and you resuscitate before you intubate. That's one of the more common sayings out there. You optimize that blood pressure. You optimize your oxygenation. It buys you time for visualization and it prevents intubation arrest. So many of these patients back when I trained, when everything was RSI and that rapid was the killer word in there because we just said what when they arrested with intubation? Oh, they were super sick, right? They were just super sick. Well, they might have been super sick, but they would have been less likely to arrest if you didn't make them hypoxic, bradycardic, and hypotensive during your intubation attempt by paralyzing them. So we've, you know, that episode was a real nice summary of our airway approach here at MCHD. And th- thankfully the listeners really, uh, you know, kind of grabbed onto that one and, and, and liked it. COVID-19, uh, we're not going to do any, no, no COVID discussion today. <laughs> Syncope. Hey, that was a long time ago, but I still remember my mnemonic last night without looking it up. So it must mean it's useful. You right? know, even I know it now I've, yeah. I've stole Dr. Patrick's slide. So I know the syncope mnemonic craps. Uh, so cardiac structural abnormality, Ruptures, triple A, right? Ectopic, yep. Ectopic, I forgot ectopic. A, arrhythmia. S, 
subarachnoid hemorrhage, and P, pulmonary embolus. Right. So EKG is going to be key. EKG covers that A. So get an EKG in every syncopal patient you take care of every time. And then lastly, entitled CO2. That one wasn't too long ago. Look for that shark fin. That tells you it's obstructive disease straight away. Use talk, it. talk about the most important yeah. tracing that we care about here. Well, if we, you only have to remember one, please know this one. If you have an entitle of 40 and you insert an endotracheal tube into a patient and it goes 40, 30, 20, 10, 5, 0 in a stepwise fashion, you have one thing and one thing only to do, and that is remove the tube from the esophagus and rescue your airway, period. And that entital decline is going to happen quicker than hypoxia because the hypoxia is going to be delayed. Why? Because you preoxygenated well, right? So take that tube out and take attempt two or fall back to plan B or whatever your, whatever your rescue device is or your, your next step is going to be, period, the end. So that's really our take-home points. We're going to wrap it up with some thanks and, and future ideas. And realistically, I wanted to you know, give some thanks out there to some of our repeat guests, folks we've had on more than once, Dr. Peter Antevy, Jeff Jarvis, Dr. Jerry Snow, Dr. Dan O'Donnell. Uh, Chris Call's been on a couple times and is a favorite. Uh, Dr. Kevin Schultz from down at HFD. And then uh, Dr. Al Meyer from all the way on the other side of the world in Australia. He has the best accent of anyone on the MCHD Paramedic Podcast. Repeat medic performers, Jordan Anderson, Kevin Crocker, Ashton Herring, uh, Lee Gillum, Brad Ward, and Sean Simmons. Special thanks to each of them. They get suckered in here with a happy face over and over and over again by yours truly. So thank you all for putting up with my business. Uh, Missy Willingham's off the camera over here, and she's been responsible for all of our social media presence. So thanks to Misty. I can't thank Andy Adams enough. He's really been the master of this whole thing and making sure that we sound okay and we have all the supplies that we need and uh, really taking taking the tech side of it and making it happen. So none of this would be possible without Andy. Uh, thanks to the uh, Department of Clinical Services here, uh, the MCHD admin. I've had continuous support for this project since day one. You know, it wouldn't have, wouldn't have made it out of uh, the clinical chief's office as nothing other than a crazy idea unless Jordan Anderson three years ago had said, huh, that might work. Let's see what we can do. So thanks to Jordan for for uh, being the initial support. And Dr. Dixon, uh, Randy Johnson, both have been uh, continuously supportive of every every weird and surprising variation of this thing. So th thank you all for, for that. And then most importantly, thanks to the listeners. It, I don't know that we'd have kept going if we didn't have some listeners out there. So especially the MCHD medics that have listened over time and not got sick of us. Thank you for listening. And hopefully this has been helpful in your educational journey for sure. Yeah. I hope to continue this, uh, in perpetuity, uh, who knows where it's going to go, but I have thoroughly enjoyed being a guest and, and really watching the podcast evolved what it's in. It's I'm super proud Casey of this product that you guys have brought forth. And I think it's really a, a gift to the EMS community. So appreciate all your work and, and all the people that have supported you here in the in the Department of Clinical Services. So job well done. Thank you. Those are those are awful kind words. I appreciate them all. As where we're going, uh, I've got some ideas. As you can see, this will be episode uh, probably number two or number three that we've posted on on our YouTube channel. So we're going to try to 
double dip and, and provide some additional content to the YouTube channel. So you get to see where we actually record it and, and what we look like and why we're podcast stars and not movie stars. Uh, <laughs> we're going to, we're going to try to bump up the Apple reviews. Our Apple reviews right now are hovering around 140. So if you're listening out there, I always say leave a review. If you want to leave a review, go to Apple and leave one. I'd like to get our reviews up to 200. That'd be a cool number. I just pulled it out of thin air and made it a goal for 2021. We have, uh, you know, potential educational collaborations on the horizon that really have some potential with some of our uh, local EM residencies, some of our local medical schools, even uh, neighboring services. Who knows where we'll be able to go in the future there. Um, we really want to focus on continued consistency in the end. We want to give you a product that's useful and respectful of your time. That's really continuing goal number one is not to waste anybody's time, to give you something that helps you in your medical practice, in your EMS career, and, uh, you know, again, is something that you finish up with and say, I've got a take-home point or two. That's, that's really the end goal for me every single time we put together one of these outlines. So anything else you want to add before we wrap up? Yeah, and on that note, if you, if you have an idea for a show, something you, you uh, thought about that you haven't seen on the cast, something that we can expound on here, uh, drop us an email at the podcast email, podcast at mchd-tx.org. We appreciate your reviews and, and all your comments. Yeah, thanks everyone for listening. We'll see you soon for episode 101. And then who knows, three years from now, maybe we'll be at 200. Thanks everybody for listening. Have a good rest of your afternoon, morning, or evening. This podcast was brought to you by the Montgomery County Hospital District, Texas. Production and editing by Andrew Adams. Questions or comments, which are always welcome, can be sent to podcast at mchd-tx.org. Make sure to subscribe above to keep updated to all our future casts. Music, copyright, Kevin McLeod, Incompetech.com. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0.